Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. That's my promise. Sometimes you feel like I don't deliver. I fail in my mission. I need to hear from you when you feel like the advice I give you is at cross purposes, is misguided, my opinions are wrong, I have my facts twisted, whatever it is. And I need that feedback because the only value of what I do is if I truly am of service to you. And so that's why we have Clark Stinks. It's where you can go post at Clark.com where you feel I failed you. I missed the mark. Others can see what you've written. They can add to it. They can agree, disagree, whatever. And then once a week, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks. And Clark Stinks is a message board. If you go to connect on Clark.com, you see our message boards. Clark Stinks is right at the top. Thank you. You're going to do a Clark Stinks about how I never explained how to get there, right? Well, yeah. And remember, we had a Clark Stinks saying you do the open the same every time. So people get upset. So I thought I'd interrupt you. Perfect. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right. PayPal is the only method to pay a business. Clark, you stink. I have had successful a successful pet care business for more than 10 years, and for the last five years or more, most of my clients have paid me via both Venmo and Square. Those are great options for small businesses to accept payments. Further, the federal government, i.e. the IRS, accepts those as valid pay platforms. I can't tell you how much money I've saved using those two platforms over eBay, as eBay charges a premium for businesses, but Venmo and Square don't. Ken in San Francisco. I appreciate your post. Now, the danger for you with Venmo is if the individual customer becomes a problem, uh, you don't have really any rights. For the customer paying you, they got to know who you are. And in your case, if you have people paying you with square cash and paying you with Venmo, who you know and you trust and all that, that is a fine substitute. They're having to pay you with uh, cash from their checking account. If they wish to pay by credit card, they're paying the fees, not you. So that's why there are small businesses that prefer to take Square Cash or Venmo. Hi, Clark. I really appreciate the cautionary tale one of your callers told about trying to do the right thing after causing a minor accident in a parking lot. Her honest intentions were punished by the damaged vehicle owner most likely taking advantage of her, asking for a significantly more money than the repair probably cost, if they even used the money for a repair at all. It was uh, $3,000 something that they got out of her. The lesson learned seemed to be that if you're at fault and you want to pay for someone else's minor repair without using insurance and risking a huge hit to your own premiums, insist on a written estimate before writing the check to the owner. That's good, but I have more a more airtight suggestion. Insist on paying the repair shop directly. Estimates and receipts can be forged by an unscrupulous person wanting to take advantage of the situation. In addition, especially if you use a credit card, you get the same purchase protections as if you had repaired your own vehicle. And you get a paper trail in case the repair is unsatisfactory or the other driver comes back for more. 
Like you, I'm someone who prefers to assume the best of people, but there's no need to take unnecessary chances with strangers, even while still keeping the situation friendly. Mark in Florida. Mark, that is an outstanding suggestion and one I should have said in the midst of that call. I appreciate that. Clark, you recently went on your soapbox about how the passing of the tax bill was so one-sided in saying, quote, it's a mistake to pass a tax bill at the federal level that's passed by a single party. It creates distrust. And the tax bill was passed by single party vote, and that's not smart. And the balance of power changes in Washington, so you don't think the Democrats, when they get in power, will try to do something in reverse. But Clark, you failed to mention that that's exactly how the Democrats passed Obamacare, and that too created new taxes. How about some fairness to both sides? Completely. I used the Obamacare example when I was talking about it, that just as the Democrats did the wrong thing in 2010, passing health care reform, single party. And by the way, if you, I'm going back into ancient history, and I don't want to start one of those political tribal wars. So just hang with me for a minute. There were many Republicans who recognized that health care in the United States needed reforming. Health care always needs reforming because it's double a share of our national wealth, what's healthy for us as a country financially, with no good result from it. And so the Democrats, by not being willing to modify positions to make health care reform bipartisan, poison the well, led to the um, turnover in the Congress in 2010, and have led to continual fighting about health care now for eight years. Same thing with taxes, the Republicans in reverse should not have passed a tax bill as a party line vote. You create distrust, as I said before, and you create uncertainty and instability because what you passed doesn't have any sense of permanence. Clark, I understand your love for Costco. Their service has been great. However, I am not satisfied with the quality of fresh food there. Very often, fruits are rotten, smell terrible, and look like they've been sitting there for way too long. What's your take on fresh foods from Costco, and where does your family buy groceries? Does the value of Costco membership still make sense if you don't buy food there? Mr. V. Mr. V, well, yes, I do love Costco, but uh, we tend to buy our produce at Aldi. Because you can buy much smaller quantities, and it's not as likely to go bad. Uh, one of the issues with Costco is in a very busy warehouse location, the produce turns over extremely quickly. In a warehouse that has lower volume traffic, the produce may in fact sit too long. But the problem for us is, you know, with two kids grown and gone, one kid at home, just the three of us in the house, the quantities of a lot of the uh, fresh produce at Costco is too big for us. And that's why we tend to buy our produce at Aldi, where the quality of the produce has improved dramatically. And my wife likes buying a lot of the organic stuff. And so, isn't that what you call it, Krista, organic stuff? That's what the world calls it, man. Stuff? (laughs) So we, we buy the organic stuff there a lot of times. But the quality is really good and it's really fresh. Heard about the Sprint Kickstart through your newsletter. Did you research it at all? 
I spoke with 10 or 11 folks there over countless hours, only to find that there were limitations that were not listed anywhere on their webpage. In short, a prepaid plan, which I had with Boost using Sprint's network, could not be transferred over to their Kickstart program. How misleading, and in my opinion, a ripoff. Shame on them and a bit on you for recommending it. Thanks, Ron, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Ron, I'm sorry that Sprint managed to annoy yet another person. Uh, you know, the, the $25 promotion for unlimited talk, text, and data was to capture customers from principally AT&T and Verizon, and Boost is their wholly owned discount brand. They should have done full disclosure that Boost was not, Boost customers were not eligible. And as you said, that was not published anywhere. Yikes. What just happened or didn't happen? A caller said he received three free nights at Orla- in Orlando from a hotel timeshare company. This would have been a great opportunity for Clark to talk about attending timeshare pitches when someone's on vacation. Clark never warned the caller about the heavy pressure that they will receive, and they tell a story about their own experience. That was my failure, and I'll tell you where that came from. It's because of the sometimes I don't give as good or complete an answer as I would like to give because we're under, for the radio program, under a tight uh, clock for syndication, and there are times that a call turns out to have more layers than I realize, and so I don't have the time to give it the full flavor it should have. And that is a perfect example where I did not deliver because I should have talked about the high pressure. I don't know if you know this, but years ago uh, for my TV side, TV work, I went undercover at a timeshare presentation and uh, you should see my disguise. Anyway, it was fascinating how much high pressure there was. There's more of the story on credit unions. Dear Clark, I've been an avid listener to you and Team Clark for many years. There's one area where I believe you repeatedly fall short. In the past few weeks, several callers have asked how to find a good credit union. Each time, your answer focused on finding the largest credit union in the area. The large credit union reportedly would have the most branches and the best availability. I have never heard you promote the benefits of the 5,000 credit unions in the shared branch network in the U.S., If a credit union is a part of the shared branch network, you could treat that branch like one of your own by showing your member ID and driver's license. When short of cash, I've used the shared branch network in different states instead of searching for an ATM. I'm always warmly welcome there. Clark, let your listeners know the rest of the story and keep up the good work. Thanks, Professor Kent. Professor Kent, thank you. You just did, and I've actually used a shared branch network twice in my time as a credit union member, which my time as a credit union member goes back to 19, was during the Vietnam War, 1974, I think, I joined my first credit union, which was then called Pentagon Federal Credit Union. I appreciate so much all your posts and what you do to help your fellow listeners by bringing issues to the table where I could have been more precise, more accurate, or done a better job. I need that from you. Thank you. Jamie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jamie. Hi there, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Amy. How, Jamie. 
Would you rather be Amy or Jamie? <laughs> oh, it depends on what day it is. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, Jamie, how can I be of service? I, um, my sisters and I have inherited some stocks from my father when he passed away, and we are just concerned about what we should be looking for or expecting if this merger between Aetna and CBS takes place and when it will, if it's going to. Well, first of all, I want to express my sympathies to you on loss of your dad. Thank you so much. Um, as far as the stock, so CVS and um, Aetna look nearly certain to be getting approval. And it could happen any day now that they'll get mm. approval. So it's very, very close. It looks like it's one of those mergers that's going to just slide right through. Yep. And a merger like this is expected to reduce competition, which is often good for the stocks. But a merger is always difficult to execute. So a lot of times when two companies merge, they expect they're going to take more market share. They expect that they're going to be able to reduce costs by laying off a lot of people that might be doing duplicative things like you know, do they need two accounting departments or one? Do they need one advertising department instead of two and that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. So uh, the merger process is usually pretty messy. And okay. a lot of times people who just want to know that they're getting the best value they can will sell before a merger actually takes place. But the question is, what are you and your, you said you and your sisters inherited, right? Correct. What, what are each of you thinking? Is this, is this stock that each of you would be willing to own for a long time? Well, the thing is, my father worked with Aetna for years, and so most of his stock was in Aetna. And so the amount that we have is a nice little amount. And when they sell or when they merge and they're going to give us a certain amount of money for each share, do we put that back into there? Do we? No, I would diversify. I would diversify. So I'm not okay. familiar with that specific a detail on this merger. So you're getting a certain amount of cash and a certain amount of stock at the time that it goes through or only cash? Correct. Okay. CVS is going to do, um, the last I heard was $66 a share, and then they were going to give us, or $172 per share, and then $62 to stock. CVS. Okay, yes. CVS stock. So I would say right. that you take the cash and do something else with it. What it, would you do? <laughs> uh, well, if it's for long term, I would put it into a... Um, a series of index funds or it could be really simple just if it's not money you're going to need anytime soon that's when you mm -hmm. put it in funds i like something ultra simple like a total stock market index where you own little pieces of thousands of companies instead of just being in the one that your dad had from having worked there all right okay Total stock index. Total stock market index. But this is this is a lot of information to throw at you all at <laughs> once quickly like that. Um, there's a simple fund that I can recommend to you that I really like for a situation like this. It's from a company called Fidelity Investments. Have you ever heard of them? Yes. The Fidelity 4-in-1 fund that fully diversifies your money 
widely as a possible alternative of where you would put that money. Okay, because we sh- we surely was, wasn't expecting to have all that come to us at one time, and then we don't want to mishandle it. We want to do what you know we think that he would do with it, but you know still we want to do what the what we need to do with it. Right, and that's always hard to say. It's just my thing is I don't like having all your eggs in one company basket. You'll still have some, like a fourth of it. It sounded like from the ratio you said in CVS stock, the acquirer stock. And then the rest of it, you diversify away having really spread out. But only put money in the choice like I recommended, either anything like an index fund, if it's money you're not going to need for seven years or longer. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. For years and years, the payday loan industry has caused so much hardship for so many people desperate for money who have been taken advantage of at interest rates of 400 to 800% to deal with an emergency financial need. Car repair, so they can get to work, pay an electric bill, whatever. But nobody improved their financial situation by taking out a 400 or so percent loan. The payday lending industry is a very successful business and treat people very well in this respect. Payday loan stores are open long hours. The people who work in them are very friendly. They're very respectful to the customers who come in in a time of desperation. And when nobody else will make a loan, they do it. So the industry has served to fill a hole in the marketplace at a brutal, brutal cost to people. And so often, somebody takes out a payday loan, two weeks later, it's due. And that's a don't, because most people can't come up with that, and they roll it over in another one, another one, another one, another one, all the while paying 400 or more percent interest. And the payday lending industry says, well, if not us, what's am I going to do? They're going to have no lights. They're not going to have their car fixed. They're not going to whatever. We're the only chance they've got. But now the nation's fifth largest bank, U.S. Bank, based in Minnesota, but with branches in a lot of places around the country, certainly not everywhere, is offering their answer to payday loans. It's called the simple loan. And for account holders, they can borrow on the app quickly a hundred to a thousand dollars whole idea is to cover the same kind of emergency expenses somebody would go to a payday lender you pay it back instead of over two weeks you pay it back over three months the effective interest rate 70 percent nobody gets up in the morning and says yippee i'm borrowing money at 70 percent interest seven zero 
but U.S. banks doing it knowing that a lot of the loans are going to go bad. Same issue payday lenders face. But I hope that U.S. Bank is successful with this and it starts a movement across the banking world, but it should have happened long before at credit unions. Credit unions are co-ops. They're to serve their members, owned by and for their members. And so what U.S. Bank is doing is the kind of thing I would have wanted to have seen from a major credit union. But we have to have an answer that's a good answer to why somebody doesn't have any alternative but a 400, 600, 800% loan. Ridiculous, right? To have to borrow money at that rate. So by comparison, 70% seems fantastic. And hopefully, hopefully, others will offer something equivalent. Uh, when times get tough for people who've got good credit and they've got nowhere else to turn, they tend to do a cash advance against a credit card that will carry a rate usually of somewhere about 20 to 30%. Still a lot of interest, but not 70 and certainly not 400 or more. Scott's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Scott. Hi, Clark. Scott, you Hi. are a Marriott Rewards member. Yes. And I'm a high-standing member with them. Is that Diamond or something? How do the, how do the levels go? Because with the merger of Marriott Rewards and Starwood Preferred, um, I don't really understand how it all meshed together. I think you're not alone in that, and I'm still trying to figure it out myself, but I'm a platinum member right now, and I made a reservation that I had to cancel within 72 hours of the cancellation time. I think I gave them 24 hours notice, and the reservation was for 72 hours, and they, they still charged me for one night of the hotel. Have you called the general manager of the hotel itself? I emailed the general manager. I also uh, was emailing back and forth with a maybe a front office manager or somebody else at the hotel. And what they did was they offered me credit if I come back to that particular hotel, which I don't need to in the next couple months, in the amount of that was equal to the amount I was out. Okay, that's so night. weird. That was exactly what I was going to ask you to ask them for. Because a lot of times a hotel general manager will um, will waive the normal cancellation by giving you basically a gift certificate for another stay there. And will you go to that area anytime, let's say, in the next year? I don't know. That's the problem. That's why I didn't accept it because I'm not sure if I have to, if I'm going to be going back, and um, it's of no value to me if I don't use it, right? Well, Marriott so. Rewards is under such pressure right now because they're getting in the uh, you know the frequent flyer blogs and the people who follow um, things involving airline programs, hotel programs. Marriott's just getting trashed right now. And their reputation is suffering because of it. 
And have you reached out at the status you have? I guess you have a special number you call at Marriott Rewards. Yes, I, I called that number a few times. I think it was like three times, and they were trying to work with the hotel, and um, they, they seem to st- they're being they're standing firm on what they decided to, their decision was. And um, it's unfortunate because I love Marriott products. I love the, the company. Um, I really enjoyed, um, I think since about 2001, I've been a high standing member with them. Um, a couple of times I may have slipped off, but they've, it's been a great relationship and I, I think they're a good company. I, I don't want them well, to you, look you can always hit them with the H. You know what the H is? No. What's that? Hilton. That's the one they're afraid of right now. That uh, if you look at what people are saying on the blogs, Hilton is granting people the same status that they have, the equivalent status they have on Marriott to try to, or on Starwood to try to get them away and say, gosh, you know, I've been loyal to you for all these years and Hilton's dangling all this at me. Uh, and I can't believe you're letting me down like this as many uh, room nights as I have. And what can you do for me since the hotel is offering me something that doesn't help me? See, Marriott's the one that went to this 72-hour cancellation thing from 24. If you remember, it used to be not that many years ago. It was 6 p.m. the night before you were staying somewhere. And then they went to 24 hours. And then more recently to 72. And it really is not the way to treat loyal customers. Business travelers' plans change all the time. And I think that Marriott needs to show a little more flexibility and show a little loyalty back the other way. Yeah, because the thing is, if you don't get reimbursed, if it's for uh, work travel and you don't get reimbursed for that, then all the points that you may get as a rewards member aren't very beneficial if it's costing you money. Well, usually you don't get the points. It's the worst possible scenario if you don't show (laughs) up. You lose the money, and you don't get the points from that stay. So go back to your private line at Marriott. Say you're really upset about this. You're thinking of taking the loyalty offer from Hilton, and that um, you want to know what they can do for you because of all your loyalty over the years. And they're feeling yeah, they're they're pretty sensitive right now because of all the pressure their feeling from the Starwood side. And so they need to do something like just, they can just give you the points that would equate to a free night. Something like that. If they, if they can't give you back the cash, at least give you the equivalent in a free stay at a level hotel equivalent to the one that you have now forfeited that night. Paige is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Paige. Hi, Clark. Thanks for having me. Certainly. Paige, you are thinking of taking on a kitchen and bath renovation, and uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've, been, I've seen that movie. I'm not seeing a rerun of that movie again. I'm hoping it's not a rerun of the money pit. Oh, they usually are. Expect any renovation to take twice as long and cost 50% more than you expect. Great. That's the that's the back of the envelope numbers on it. So, how overdue is this kitchen and bath remodel? 
many, many years. Okay. We've been in our home for 20 years, so it's time. Okay. And you're going to stay in your home for years to come? Yes. All right. So uh, right now, the home renovation contractors are extremely busy, and they're pretty short-staffed with labor. So jobs tend to price more right now and cost more than you might hope for. But you have the calendar working to your benefit. Do you know why? No. Well, what's coming up in just two months? You've got the holidays coming up. That's right. So that's when the phone lines go quiet for renovation contractors is when you hit that period really pretty much from the 15th of November till the second week of January, they're, they're not getting people prospecting as potential new customers. So if you can, if you've waited 20 years Use this time to really think through how you want the job done, the specifics of what kind of materials you want to use, what great appliances you want to use in the kitchen, what materials you want to use in the bathroom, what color schemes. Get Use the luxury of these two months to be as specific as you possibly can, even down to specific material codes and manufacturer codes. Okay. And so then when you start getting quotes from people, when their phones have gone quiet, they're more likely to return your call, more likely to show up to see the job, and more likely to follow through with the bids. Okay. That, yeah. I didn't even think about the timing of the year. My other concern was, given what weather is about to happen this coming up weekend, I know that oftentimes materials always, prices rise once a uh, weather-related situation happens in, in the U.S. Impossible to predict because we don't know how, how many homes will be destroyed or heavily damaged. And so you, you can't worry about that right now. Okay. How are you going to so pay what, for this? That is my question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is my other question. Oh, okay. What is the best way to consider paying for a home improvement well how many years will it take you to pay it off well it depends on how much i pay per year for it so if i'm looking at about fifty five thousand dollars to do everything that i want to do and i wasn't sure if the best thing to do was an equity equity line of credit or refinance and pull money out of mortgage or a signature loan? Usually it will actually be a, a different product, a home equity loan. You only okay. want to use a home equity line of credit, uh, particularly in a rising interest rate cycle like we're in, if you can pay it off in the next 36 months. Mm-hmm. If it's going okay. to be years, then if you could pay it off in five, then the home equity loan's a slam dunk. If it's 10, it becomes questionable your mortgage, what interest rate is it at? 3.625. Yeah, so you leave it alone. Okay. So borrowing in a home equity loan almost certainly is going to be the best answer of what you use for it. And join a credit union if you're not a member of one yet. They do the best deals on the home equity loans, especially five-year ones. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. All right, Clark. Vicki wrote in and she says, do I have to use a lawyer to draw up a simple prenup agreement? I know it's better, but it's so expensive. I'm looking to save $350 an hour in lawyer fees. Please help, Clark. Well, first of all, congratulations on your upcoming marriage. And I hope that you're together forever. Sometimes that doesn't work out, and that's why often people will do a prenup. Prenups uh, are seldom simple, and that's why even like going to LegalZoom, which has the cheapest program I know of for a prenup there is, it's still $1,000. And the prenups are, even what seems to be a simple one has enough complications to it, that the reason at LegalZoom.com it's still a 1000 is that you have to have a lawyer review it, go over it with you, evaluate it, and that's part of what you're paying the $1,000 for. You're right that you start paying a lawyer $300 an hour. It will likely be much more than $1,000. Do not buy any kit that's a fill-in-the-blank prenup. All right, Clark, and John wrote in, he said, a friend gave me the number to a man who he said helped clean up his credit. It's $500 for him to do this. What are your thoughts? In many states, that's an illegal activity, number one, because there's a lot of lack of ethics involved in that or uh, criminal behavior involved with that. Second, Generally, my experience has been when you go to somebody, you pay them money to remove stuff from your credit that should be there, is that often those items will reappear later. The right way to clean up your credit is to work with a credit counselor at an NFCC.org affiliate and do the hard work you need to to clean up the items on there that are causing problems anyway. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks so much for listening today. You know, there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at Team Clark. Our podcast and radio show are produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. Clark.com is made possible thanks to Krista DiBiaz, James DeGal, John Crest, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marcinko, Clara Bassanetto, John Jones, and Grace Del Rio. ClarkDeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web, is produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan, and Damon Marley. 
You can sign up for our newsletters at Clark.com. Thanks to Sally McDonald and our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman, Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff. And their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227. And this is a free service of Team Clark. Thanks for listening. Till next time.